Hello and welcome to Next on WQLN. I'm your host, Marcus Atkinson. If you get an opportunity, like our page on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at 814 Next. Lend your voices to the dialogue. Today in studio, we have two very special guests to help us unpack some of what you see in society in the news about this situation with Kanye West and Kyrie Irving and a host of others when it comes to anti-Semitism. To help us unpack that, we have Rabbi Rob Moray. Rabbi, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. All right. And if you can give us the name of your temple again. The Rabbi at Temple Enche Chesed. There we go. And Dr. Paris J. Baker. Dr. Baker, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. And Dr. Baker is the lead pastor at Believers International. All right. Rabbi Mori, thank you and welcome to the show. And then we also have two students from Cathedral Prep, and we have Prep Chet Moffitt, who will join us in the second segment. We want to talk about how this ties into social media in light of the way Kyrie Irving shared his platform. So let me start with Kanye West. Where's the tie-in for Erie? There's an organization called Keystone Academy, which is one of the hottest basketball teams in the city right now. They actually have some nationally ranked players. It's a shame that a lot of people don't know about them. We will bring them to the show very soon so that you can get to know them. Because as we wanted to try to arrange them to come on now, it dawned on us. A lot of people just don't know about the program. That's problematic. But moving beyond that, last year, in their first year of playing, the best game by far was their matchup against Donda Academy, which is the academy that was started by Kanye West, named for his mother, Donda West. Mm-hmm. And so their point guard is the number one point guard in high school in the nation, and he was at that time. And so this brought uh, John Calipari, who was the lead coach of Kentucky basketball. Mm-hmm. If you don't know anything about college basketball, they have sent more players to the NBA than any college mm-hmm. in, in college history. Mm-hmm. He was com- he was brought to town over this. The head coach of DePaul was brought to town over this. High-level basketball. If I can paint the picture for you, the gym was packed. My son was sitting so close to the to the the out of bounds line on, on crisscross with his friend that they actually had to shoo them back when they were taking the ball out. That's how crowded the gym was, and it was a hotly contested contest. Erie ended up winning. Keystone Academy pulled it out. So you can imagine that everybody had this game circled on their calendars, only to see Kanye West open his mouth and say very hurtful things about our Jewish brothers and sisters. And now here we are. It reverberates, excuse me, to the young people of Donda Academy, and slowly but surely support starts to dry up for these kids in their academy because of Kanye's words and actions. They're being canceled from tournaments, and the game that we all looked forward to right here in Erie, Pennsylvania, unfortunately, was canceled. So we wanted to use this as a teaching opportunity and invite the rabbi in to just talk about the rampant rise of anti-Semitism that we see across the country. I'll read from an article from PBS.org, and it says the Anti-Defamation League, which tracks anti-Semitic behavior nationwide, found 2,717 incidents in 2021. That's a 34% rise from the year before and averages out to more than seven anti-Semitic incidents per day. Mm-hmm. Absolutely ridiculous. And before I turn it over to the rabbi to ask his ask about his feelings on the matter, when they talked to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar about his feelings with what Kanye West shared or what Kyrie Irving shared, he said quite simply, 
if we're about injustice, we need to be about injustice for everybody, which mm-hmm. is one of the reasons I invited our brother, Dr. Baker, to come here, because I know that that's the personal philosophy that he he not just uh, espouses, but he lives by that. And so I respect that about him. Mm-hmm. So I wanted him to join for this discussion. And I thought that was a powerful point. And this is an opportunity for us to empathize and to suffer alongside of and to say this type of thing is not okay regardless of who it's directed towards. And so with that being said, Doc, uh, Rabbi Moray, talk to us about not just these particular incidents, but this rise of anti-Semitic behavior and even violence sometimes. How has that landed on your particular heart and the hearts of those around you in this community? Thank you. You know, I, I think that Following the end of the Holocaust and the Second World War, there was this moment of time where everybody thought that we had sort of begun to deal with anti-Semitism or racism in general, right? We had the civil rights movement in the 50s and 60s and and moving forward, and we all thought that this was going to be, you know, we we were resolving all of these issues. Right. Um, And and we were just going to live happily ever after. And um, what we quickly learned was that uh, hatred and racism run very deep. And um, we continue to, to deal with the effects of, of this, this almost disease that, that is <clears throat> rampant, that people are expressing these ideas that are totally based in fantasy and, and falsehood. And, and the idea of, you know, these, these anti-Semitic tropes of, you know, uh, either it's, it's, it's the Jewish community running uh, the, the financial institutions of the world or the, the, the media outlets of the world or whatever. And, and clearly they've never come to a temple board meeting where we have, we have trouble agreeing what, what color to paint the room. <laughs> you know, and, and, and the, to think that there is this international conspiracy is so ridiculous that it, it's off the charts mm-hmm. and, and it results in unbelievable pain and, and suffering for people. Right. I mean, we had the Tree of Life um, incident five years ago. Right, right. Just down the road, basically, mm-hmm. you know, 90 minutes away. We've had, uh, you know, some statistics the Anti-Defamation League puts out. Um, there were about 500 incidents of uh, active hatred against synagogues or JCCs mm-hmm. in 2021. Now, recognize there are probably 3,000 Jewish institutions in the country, mm-hmm. right? So that's a mm-hmm. huge percentage yes. mm-hmm. right, of, of institutions that have been attacked. Um, thank God, mm-hmm. not like Tree of Life usually, but, mm-hmm. but certainly whether it's, it's defacement of property or, or you know, uh, or harassment or things. And, and, and this is just something that the Jewish community has had to cope with uh, almost from the beginning, mm-hmm. right? And, and so, you know, we've had to implement many different security measures to keep everybody as safe as possible um, and, and to make sure that uh, we're protected, you know, um, while still making sure that we are an open and, and welcoming community. And um, the, the, the tragedy really is that it, it is an unbelievable um, expenditure of energy and effort into such, such negative experiences. And, and 
rather than kind of building bridges, people are seem so <laughs> right. intent on on creating the walls and the barriers. Right, right. <laughs> Dr. Baker, when it comes to empathy, Christ-like love, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, I almost hate to say those three <laughs> words together. They become this buzz term <laughs> that's becoming polarizing, but that's <laughs> a whole other show. Right. What, what goes through your mind as you're watching these two particular incidents, but other incidents that have played out in front of us where this is concerned? Because I know as African Americans, we are quick to say, hey, we need to shine the light on what's going on over here mm-hmm. because we're being treated like X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Well, as a person of color, as a person from a marginalized group, what goes through your mind when you see this happening some of our brothers and sisters in this yeah. community? And again, I'm just so happy to be here. Um, so I'm going to use a couple quotes real quickly. Dr. King said, "Justice, injustice anywhere is injustice everywhere. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and unfortunately, in 1963, uh, before the Dr. King speech, which we all remember the I Have a Dream mm-hmm. portion of his speech, a um, rabbi, uh, Yoakam Prince, gave, gave a speech just before Dr. King that nobody remembers. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. And in that speech, he said, there is a problem more urgent than racism. And he said, that problem is silence. And it's the silence of not talking against racism that led to some of the incidents that led to the Holocaust. Right. And he said, America is becoming a nation of onlookers. He said that in 1963. Wow. A nation of onlookers. And I go back to January 6th and said, we've become that nation. It it really came to bear on that day. We watched the Capitol being stormed Mm -hmm. and and the, the confusion about what happened on that day is mind boggling to me. Uh, a few years ago, the Pew Foundation um, actually uh, gave some statistics about um, v- visibly different people. And one of the groups that were targeted, uh, no pun intended, were Jewish Americans. And the more that you look like a Jew, whatever that meant to the, to the person, whether you had a, a yarmulke or you had the, the, the sideburns or what have you, if you spoke Yiddish or whatever, you were more likely to be assaulted. Mm. in America because of your difference without knowing anything other than you're just Jewish. Mm -hmm. So, Rabbi, you talked about lightheartedly about choosing paint on the wall at your board meetings. But Dr. Baker makes an interesting point. Can you talk just about the diversity within the Jewish community that many of us just aren't aware of? I mean, the Jewish community is comprised of uh, populations from really all over the world. Uh, Jews have lived in virtually every continent around the globe. Um, I'll give you my own family history that's indicative. I have four grandparents. One was born in Turkey, one was born in Egypt, one was born in in Germany, and one was born um, in in North Africa. Wow. Um, uh, My mom was born in Shanghai during the war as a a refugee child, and um, I was born in Canada. Right. So when we talk about Jews, we talk about Jews from all over. Mm-hmm. And there are Jews who are of every shade. Right. There are there are people there are Jews who are who come to Judaism from all sorts of different backgrounds and different different communities. So when you talk about what does a Jew look like, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is that is probably one of the most ridiculous kinds mm-hmm. of, of yeah. assumptions, because you could be Jewish. You could be Jewish. I could anybody. I mean, you would never know. Except right. for what you might project out onto, you know, a, as you're as you're wearing. But we mm-hmm. have we, we have Jews who are really from everywhere. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, part of the inherent kind of strength of Jewish life is the ability to bring people in to adapt and adopt to current situations and circumstances wherever we might have find ourselves. Um, so we have been uh, living in communities all over the world and have excelled because we've done two things. We've adapted to that community and we've adopted the best of that community. Mm -hmm. To Dr. Baker's point about the silence, how concerning is it to you that and not just the January 6th crowd, when you see some of the um, the extremist groups that are starting to make themselves known, and social media is a tool that many of them are using very skillfully, which we'll go into more in our second segment. When you see kind of the reintroduction into mainstream society of the swastika, mm -hmm. lionizing mm -hmm. Hitler, new generation lionizing mm -hmm. Hitler, and we know that certain people were doing that behind the scenes, but now overtly lionizing mm -hmm. Hitler. I know in the African-American community, we talk about it with the Confederate flag and mm -hmm. all these other things. But how concerning is it to you that these things have come into mainstream society again? Mm -hmm. And to some extent, there are more people who are just kind of making it water cooler conversation. Oh, boy, they've got a swastika. Isn't that interesting? No, that's troubling. What goes through your mind? Well, Pastor Niemöller, um in, in the, th the 30s in Germany had a, a quote that said, look, they, they came for the communists, and I didn't object because I wasn't a communist. Mm. And they came for, and I don't remember exactly mm. the quote, but it, mm. it came for this person, and I didn't, uh, I didn't mm. object because I wasn't that person. Mm -hmm. And they came for this person, and I didn't object. I wasn't them. And then by the time they got to me, there was nobody left to object. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really the, the tragedy is that we've seen these hatreds become acceptable rather than it being something that we as a, as a modern and advanced society reject. Mm -hmm. and, and in fact, we've not only accepted them, in many cases, they've, they've been embraced. Mm -hmm by some political leaders, they've been, by, by mainstream media, by sports figures, you know. And the, the idea that you actually stand up and say, no, no, that's wrong. And it's wrong when it's somebody who's African-American. It's wrong when somebody is Jewish. It's wrong when somebody who's Muslim. It's wrong when somebody who's from some other kind, whatever it might be, mm -hmm. you know. And, and so the, the, the fear is... Not about the, 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 the absolute fringe people who promulgate some of this stuff, because they're always going to be there. Right. right. But it's everybody else who just sort of says, well, you know, it's fine. It's not a big deal. You know, you, mm -hmm. don't make a big deal out about it. You know, you, it doesn't really matter. It, they're all, it's only a symbol. It's, it's freedom of speech. Right. Mm. So, yeah. Well, freedom of speech is fine, but it's not absolute. Right. I mean, there is we, you know, nobody has the right to to create speech that is insightful and hatred-filled and all of that. It's just not the case. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Dr. Baker, speak to that, the, the fact that, because you mentioned, Rabbi, these people on the fringe. These people on the fringe, their views are finding their way to mainstream mm -hmm. society mm -hmm. from the front door, the back door, the side window. Talk about that a little. Well, if you allow me to do an exercise with you real quickly. Sure. And it'll make the point. What does this mean? One. What does this mean? That's kind of an F-U symbol. Yeah, yeah. I just put up a finger and I put up another finger. In my mind, I just put up one finger, I put up another finger. But the constructed meaning around that middle finger nice. 
is important. Nice. And so when we say it's just a symbol, it's just something. No, it has meaning, and it evoked an immediate response to you. Like, Excellent oh, point. F you. What does that mean? So when people see that, they know what it means. Yeah. And it galvanizes a certain group. So I'm not like you. I'm not concerned too much about the fringe because everyone's going to be there. But it's the middle group mm-hmm. that provides the social pressure to change that are not speaking. And part of that, I believe, again, if we go, if we just look at our history, like we have a shared history. We don't even know it, most of us, that the Jewish community was an integral part of developing the NAACP. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like there's been a parallel course in America with African-Americans and the Jewish community that should bind us together, okay, and, and, and move us forward in ways that, my God, would be really powerful. Um, but it's because of, you asked the question earlier about diversity, it's because in our diversity, we focus on difference rather right. than similarities. Right. To me, di- diversity is, there's so few things that, that uh, are different about us and so much more that we could share mm-hmm. if we're just talking to one another. Yeah. And it's this climate that we have now that people just, they're afraid to talk to each other. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean if I'm not in your tribe or in your nation or something that causes this trepidation so I'm just not gonna say anything, I'll try to ignore it and hope that it goes away. But like you said, it will, it will visit your community at mm-hmm. some point, it will get to you. And I got to say this because it's so important not to get off topic, but no, C- no. CRT is 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 part of the problem mm-hmm. is we're so afraid of those those letters, CRT, critical yeah. race theory. But but we need to be talking about this stuff because how do you not talk about American history? Right. And not talk about this stuff. Right. Which keeps showing up over and over again in our contemporary modern society. Mm. Yeah. Let's boil this down to the grassroots. I, I, I was mentioning to. Rabbi Moray, Moray mm-hmm. when he came in about the, the biography. And if you get a chance to read his bio on their, their website, it's very fascinating. And it mm-hmm. struck me that you are kind of a man of the people, if you will, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and love and this Christ-like behavior, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. again, it seems to lead the way for you. What is that like? And Dr. Baker, I want you to ponder this too. Because it sounds great on the surface. I'm trying to bring people together. Boy, it is messy work at the grassroots, though. What is that like as you go forward with that disposition and try to be an agent of common ground? Where are we alike? Mm-hmm. How can we love each other better? What is that like? I, I, I'm blessed in many ways because the people who interact with me like the two of you and others. And and I just did a program last week um, at St. Jude around uh, responding to hatred and and how faith communities respond to hatred. And and I am blessed to be around people who are like-minded in many Mm -hmm. ways. Um, And so in that that regard, it's easy because I get to work with fabulous people Mm -hmm. who share values and ethics and ideas and work together for the betterment of everyone. the harder part is coping or dealing with all of the media onslaught, the the Kanye's and the Kyrie's and and, and and the and the response to that by people even you know within our own groups who say, well, you know, it, it, it's not such a big deal. It's happening over there, right? Um, and and so it's so painful to to not be able to energize people to be able to actually really stand up and respond. I think that's one of the, mm-hmm. the most the hardest things is to really get people to understand, mm-hmm. you know, 
you know, why do the, why is the Jewish community involved with all sorts of causes? Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter. I mean, mm-hmm. a whole bunch of different things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, why why are why are the national Jewish organizations involved with these these organizations? Mm-hmm. With, broad, broadly speaking, it's really because we see ourselves in that prophetic mm-hmm. vision mm-hmm. of healing the world, yeah. uh, of making the world a better place. Before I throw it back over to Dr. Baker, so you mentioned you mentioned about um, if you go to Con- you didn't mention you've, mm-hmm. if you go to Kanye West, mm-hmm. I remember of the many not so intelligent things that he has said. <laughs> one thing that had black people up in arms is when he said slavery was a choice. Mm-hmm. We chose to be in that situation. <laughs> and of course, black folk were outraged. This makes me think about the, the rise of the Holocaust deniers. Right. Right. Speak to that when you hear people, because the fact that Kanye, especially a black man, anybody saying, well, slavery is a choice. I'm, is there a microphone somebody can give me? I want to speak to that. <laughs> I was so outraged. Mm-hmm. But when I hear people deny the Holocaust, speak to that. We're living in an age where, you know, truth is a hundred and whatever characters long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, history is whatever happened yesterday. Right. People's ability to understand <laughs> history is whatever happened yesterday. That is good. <laughs> it's true, though. Yeah, <laughs> it's astounding to me. It is astounding to me how people's lack of knowledge of historical fact. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not talking theories. We're not talking. You know, we're nobody who looks at any sort of facts can argue that a the Holocaust didn't happen or that slavery was in some way a choice. Right. right. I mean, that is the most ridiculous assumptions. I mean, it, it just doesn't make any sense at all. At right? all. So, but we live in an age where people can spin and create these falsehoods, and it's just fine. Mm-hmm. And people just soak it up because they don't know. You know, if you looked at the number of people who know about the history of the Holocaust, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it was like, Less than 50 percent of the population knew what was going on, which is why, I mean, part of our work in the Jewish community is actually um, offering as part of the Jewish Community Council will pay for secular schools to send kids down to Washington, D.C. for a day Mm -hmm. and experience the Holocaust Museum. Oh, wow. Okay. Right. And and. We do that not because we need them to learn about the, the, the facts of the Holocaust, but the lessons of the Holocaust are huge because that is the quintessential example of hatred let run mm-hmm. to its disastrous extreme, mm-hmm. right? And, and, you know, people just don't know. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, I, I'm, I'm quite sure that, mo- that lots of people don't know origins of slavery here in the United States. Mm-hmm. You know, and and they, you know, I can't imagine that somebody would think anything called slavery is a choice, but (laughs) (laughs) by its very name, right? Right? Yeah. You know, there it is. But uh, yeah, it's just astounding. Dr. Baker, chime in on that. Why, my God. (laughs) (laughs) It, it, It is the reflection. Uh, someone said the burden of ignorance is what we live today. Mm. Yeah, it's it's we just don't know. And again, I go back to to have that information removed from our history at any level is is just an uh, abhorrent. Um, however, I agree with you is history is as long as 
those 140 characters or what you remember the next day, like what happened. And so there is a, a scripture, occupy until I come in the New Testament, occupy until I come. There's no such thing as a vacuum. And so if you don't know, someone will fill up your brain with information. Mm-hmm. And that information you will use to direct your behavior. And unfortunately, we have a part of America that is absolutely living on a titillation of what feels good today and what can get me to the next level and promoting or right. prosperity, what have you. And we're chasing these incredible things with no or little sense of how it hurts other people. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the Holocaust to me or slavery is that we don't believe it. We don't believe it. We don't believe it. America knew about the Holocaust way before it became front page news. Mm-hmm. We, we knew a whole bunch of things. We start our problem. We're not going to get involved. And we stayed out of it. Same with slavery. Slavery was part of the United States and we tried to legislate it and blah, 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 until it became such an issue that we had a civil war. Right. And we had a civil war. That some still deny had anything to do with that. Absolutely. <laughs> and if, you're, if we're not careful, if you look at the what I call the pathology of those two events, we're doing the same thing again. We're making the same mistakes. We're making political calculations about this or that to try to get in a certain position. Mm-hmm. And people are, are really truly getting hurt over these issues. Mm-hmm. Well, how many people have to get hurt or killed before it becomes something we really pay attention to? Because much of our response is reactionary, not proactive. Right. Yeah. John Lewis said something that I thought was really profound about nonviolence resistance. Mm-hmm. And he said nonviolence resistance was the highest form of empathy because it recognized that this racist system has also tainted the minds and hearts of our white brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And this is just as much for you to cross over as it is for the government per se. And I thought that was deep, mm-hmm. never losing sight of the fact that this is a human thing. This is affecting us all. Right. And so it makes me think what you're saying about critical race theory. And you have those detractors that are saying, I'm against that. We shouldn't be teaching that. Listen, critical race theory prevents everyone from running around with the same, running away with the wrong narrative. You mentioned the NAACP and our Jewish brothers and sisters. I know the history very well. It is extremely intertwined. Yes. But if you don't teach it, I mentioned on the show not too long ago about Frederick Douglass and his second wife was a white abolitionist. A lot of people are like, no, he wasn't black folks. No, he wasn't. Yes, he was. Yes. Interracially married. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Their histories, the histories are so intertwined that if you don't unpack it, everybody walks away with assumptions. You know what they say when we assume. (laughs) And so, you know, as we head towards the finish line of this first segment, uh, Rabbi Murray, what do you want people to keep in mind as they watch and read the types of things that led to this show today? I I think it's critical that people actually see it through the lens of real fact and real truth and not through the lens of the sensationalist media nonsense that that we seem to get fed so much of you know um just because you see it on a TikTok doesn't make it real that's right you know uh, go to the sources understand the sources know where you're getting your your information from and and try to you know and and i think our education systems need to do a a, a lot of work in in really teaching where we come from and and our histories because unless we're open and honest about our history we can't really move forward with any sense of positivity. Absolutely. And Dr. Baker, uh, same thing, because I know that I was very encouraged to hear the offer to secular 
education institutions saying, listen, we'll pay for them mm-hmm. to go down and experience that. Yeah. So you, you're offering not just yourself, but your temple as a resource of education but for the, people. So it's the Jewish Community Council, which isn't mm-hmm. actually the temple. But Absolutely. Members of the temple participate. Yeah. Got it. That's mm-hmm. a good thing. And Dr. Baker, before we close, I know that this is something that you have been occupationally mm-hmm. and personally, you've been a resource mm-hmm. to just real information and real learning where this topic is concerned. Give us a parting shot. What do you want people to, to think about? as they see not just incidents like this, but incidences of injustice play out in front of us. Yeah. Uh, using a, a medical model, I have um, some artificial hips. And as you know, I got a, I got a few problems right now. So I'm, I'm going to use this as a, as a model. He's carrying a cane for those of you uh, yeah. in radio world. Oh, yeah. There you go. I got a cane. <laughs> All right. Um, so when I went to, I got this pain, I got this pain. And, and so they did an assessment and said, there's, an, there's a part of your prosthesis that's broken. We got to go in and fix it. So that was the first thing, like doing a, do a real good assessment. What is the problem? But then the second two pieces, I hope this program leads to the second two pieces because they're going to fix the problem. My question was, what do I have to do to prevent it from happening again? Mm. That's real important. Where do we go from here? Because this pain is incredible. <laughs> but, it, I mean, it, it doesn't compare to Holocaust or slavery. But as a person suffering is what do I have to do or what do we have to do collectively so that I don't end back end up back in this situation again. And so once I ask that question, then what behaviors do I have to change in my life personally Mm -hmm. to make sure that I contribute to the greater good? And so that's what I'm hoping that we have from these kind of dialogues. Profound point. Uh, Rabbi Rob Moray, Dr. Paris J. Baker, thank you so much for lending your voices to this conversation and educating our listeners. This is Marcus Atkinson on Next on WQLN Radio. And welcome to our second segment of Next on WQLN. Again, I'm your host, Marcus Atkinson. And so we talked about at the outset of the program that we would segue into what not just Kanye West said, but the fact that Kyrie Irving utilized his social media platform to share questionable video. To this very second, when you look at interviews with Kyrie, he's kind of like, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? And the, the idea of him sharing his personal space in, on social media to this end, he genuinely did not view as an endorsement. Most would beg to differ. And so to help us unpack that, we actually have a couple of students. It's always nice to have young people in the studio. It doesn't happen very often. And so we have, to my left, uh, we have Amelia on the show. Amelia, welcome to the show. Hi, hello. And a fun fact, Amelia is the youngest of my three daughters. (laughs) We have Devin, who's on the show. Devin, welcome to the show. Thank you. And then we have Mr. Chet Moffitt, who is the Vice President of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Chet, welcome to the show. Thank you. And this is for Cathedral Prep that he's the Vice President of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. And both these students are from the Prep Villa. Clarify that for us. Is it Prep Villa? We just call it a prep. It's Cathedral Prep. It's Cathedral Prep. (laughs) So these are students at Cathedral Prep. Welcome to the show. Thank you. You too nervous a little bit? A little bit. A little bit. (laughs) (laughs) And so, Chet, the the idea of social media and the responsible use of it, we want to unpack that a bit. But first, help the listener and the viewer appreciate the group that um, you have at Cathedral Prep. I know that Amelia was one of the uh, the kids that spoke before the game for peace mm-hmm. yes. in the football stadium. Mm-hmm. Talk about the group that you have at the school and what's the goal of the club. Well, we have several groups, and, and we and, and I think the importance of having affinity groups at in you know not just in um, schools but in workplaces are important. 
um, it, and, and just having that likeness and that and that um, opportunity to, to bounce ideas and, and issues that come up um, amongst people of color and marginalized groups is really important to have. So we actually have um, we have a Spanish group, a Spanish club at um, Cathedral Prep, and we actually have what 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 these two students are part of is our diversity club. Mm -hmm. We do a number of things like we did we did the um, the game for pe the game for peace against um, Erie High. We actually will do a, a another game with Erie High for, with, during the basketball season. Um, we actually took a number of students out to Edinburgh University, and um, the students got a tour, met with students of color there, talked about, and it was just a good dialogue about what they, what issues they face on campuses at, at a PWI and what have you. So just giving kids those different exposure, different things. And um, through, our, um, through our office, we also bring a number of speakers on campus mm -hmm. to talk about different issues. Um, we had speakers speak on women's history, women's issues, black history, black and, and, and what have you. We're looking to bring someone in soon to speak on um 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 we you know I, one of the things i really push is like um like we just finished um hispanic heritage month we're in currently we're in on uh, native american heritage month but with um we we don't want to limit our histories to just a month-long period we want these histories are year-round so I, I do know we have something planned um for our spanish spanish club we're going to go visit um Museum in Pittsburgh. We'll have a speaker come in. We're gonna have a speaker come in on women's um, for Women's History Month again, but not during that exact month. So you um, got them active. Yeah, yeah, excellent. It's so important. Excellent. Um, well, then I'll start with Amelia with this because I know that when it came to the Black Lives Matter movement mm -hmm. per se, I know that you were somebody that was really vocal about that. You have your opinions where that's concerned, and I'll take I'll, I'll ask you the same thing, Devin, before we go into social media. Why do you think it's important? So you're part of this diversity club. Why do you think it's important to lend your voice as a young person to conversations like this? I think it's so important because, like, I am a part of the new generation, and the new generation is going to, like, lead the way for everyone else, mm -hmm. especially for, like, future generations. And then we can also, like, teach the older people how to, like, be more inclusive mm -hmm. and how to spread diversity and things like that. Excellent. Definitely. What's your thought on that? Why should you lend your voice to these conversations? Because, like, kind of like what Amelia said, like, we're, like, like our generation is like the next step for the younger generation so they're gonna follow like what we do and like what we say and stuff mm -hmm. and like the more like we lead them like to like what we're like thinking like in our hearts and like in our minds like they're gonna follow like how we like see things so let me ask this question before we get started at some point when you're a young person, I remember my own story, I won't go into it, but at some point you are starting to cross-reference what your parents think and believe, what society is saying, what Mr. Moffitt is saying, what the school is saying, and you start to find your own voice. You start to step into, well, where am I with all of this? Because at the end of the day, as you two both pointed out, those voices will be dependent upon in community. What was that process like for you, Amelia, as you started to try to find your own voice outside of what the people around you were thinking and saying? Well, my when this happened to me, it was around COVID-19. Mm -hmm. So it gave me a lot of time to like think over 
like what I truly believed in and it that was when I like really got into social media and like it allowed me to see like different points of view from like different people all across the world and so I think that that break during so um during COVID-19 like really helped me figure out who I was and like what I stand for. Mm-hmm. That it seemed to have that effect all over the country mm-hmm. because we were forced to sit down and pay attention. This is one of the reasons the George Floyd situation went global is because we actually were forced to sit down and watch it. Devin, when you um, think about that moment for you, when did you find yourself coming in, into tune with your own voice? Uh, during COVID as well, yeah, like when we were all cooped up in the house, like paying attention. Um, that's when I really started like actually like seeing like what was going on around the world. And like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Social media. So Kanye, not Kanye, Kyrie shares a video which, as a side note, and we'll talk about this in another show, the fact that the video was so offensive and it's still for sale and rent on Amazon is problematic. Mm-hmm. We don't want to let Jeff, Jeff Bezos off the hook here and make Kanye or Kyrie the primary villain here, but I digress. He didn't see that posting that on his page was a tacit endorsement of the material. What is it like? So think about life inside of school. Let me start with Chet, and I'll let the young people think about this. Are you actively talking to your students? Especially, I mean, you, your goal as a prep school, college prep school, is to be 100% with the college acceptance rate, mm-hmm. right? Yes, yes. Aspiring athletes, aspiring college students. Are you talking to them as a faculty about, careful what you post, because uh-huh. it can follow you? We, we discuss it all the time. Okay. All the time about, and, and we actually have social media policies because every, we have a one-on-one iPad program. So we kid, kids are responsible for what they post on social media. And we see, and, and, and uh, one of the things is we see a lot of things that kids post and a lot of things, just the subtle bullying that kids will do to one mm. another, which, which is just huge where um, a kid will, you know, or, or just a, a back and forth between kids. So, and in, in, in our day, Marcus, if, if I had a beef with you, you and I just talked. That's right. I, we we kind of argue back and forth. Kids don't have to do that nowadays. They can do it on social media. They yeah. can do it on on TikTok. Right. Yeah. TikTok. What is it? They can do, but they can do, do these on social media platforms. And we'll find out that a kid doesn't like another kid or has a problem with another kid. From social media. From social, mm-hmm. And the kid will be like, I don't even know who that is. Right. So, um, the, 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 you know, so we, we do have social media policies in our school and what have you, but it, it, it's a challenge for our youth today mm. in, in how to deal with these things because it's something we never had to deal with. At all. Um, you know, we didn't walk around with a computer in our pocket every day. Mm-hmm. Um, we walked around. And a video with, camera. Yes. And a, and a photograph yeah. camera. Exactly. So, I, and I will tell you, um, when, when you mentioned the, the George Floyd, right? So George Floyd is this generation is George Floyd. Our generation was Rodney King. It sure was. So we saw the Rodney King video. We're like, oh my God, that that's unbelievable and what have you. We saw that. Um and then twenty-five years later, George Floyd it, it and we again we all see it. Now I don't know if you guys saw the video of Rodney King, but I'm talking to the, my two yeah. <laughs> here, but that was powerful for us. It yeah. was something that caught us off guard. But um you guys seen that? So it, 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 I think just over time, generations see different have have their own yeah. um, epic moment that they have to that 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 um, 
you know, unites them over over a cause. And as a faculty, you're you're making sure that they understand that you need to be conscious of what it is that you post. Yes. What's yes, your right. Yes. Devin, as a student athlete, what lessons are you taking or what goes through your mind as you're watching Kyrie Irving, who is a premier player? Yeah. I know you're on a basketball team at prep. I mean, if you enjoy and you're a guard, mm-hmm. so you look at a player like Kyrie and you think about I want a game like that. What goes through your mind when you see everything that, that's happening because of what he chose to share? I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, everything like he posted and like said, like Kyrie is a really good player and I do look up to Kyrie. But like everything like what he said and like everything like I was just like, wow, like, like I like don't know how to feel like about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a difficult situation when you think about posting Chet brings up the very good good point. People are posting things and kids are like, I didn't even know there was a problem. And what it makes me think about from my youth development days is, and if I can say this, girls are the meanest, man. <laughs> when I was in youth development, I was like, my goodness, y'all. Girls, l- listen, to the listener, girls are the real gangsters out here. <laughs> so you think about like mean girls and stuff like that. Are you? And you don't necessarily have to speak on your own personal environment, but how are you seeing social media be used in negative ways to tear people down? And what effect do you think it's having on teens like you across the country, let alone in Erie? That's a good question. So I think the biggest effect that that's having on like people like me today is that they just feel so isolated from like their peers and they feel like they just don't have anyone, even though they have social media and they have access to people. And I just see it like constantly, especially with like apps like Snapchat, where you can just like click a photo and then it just disappears. Mm. And I feel like because of that, bullying can become more rampant and it just gets way worse with social media. Mm. Not to say that social media is just all bad, but it can lead to really bad circumstances. So Snapchat is the platform where you post it and it disappears after a certain amount of time. That is insidious. That's the platform of choice I take it with young people. Yeah, nowadays. I I do have a point, because you brought the Kyrie Irving thing. And again, I'm talking about generational things. When I was in college, I think mm-hmm. we're, we're probably around the same time. I remember in college, right? And you kids wouldn't remember. There was this huge commercial by Nike. It was Char- and you see it's a black screen. You see Charles Barkley slamming a basketball. Yep. He goes, I, I am not, not a, role a role model. And he talks about how he wasn't a role model. And um, then he would say, oh, teachers and educators, th- those, are the, those should be your role models. And he, and he went through that. But... I sit and watch the NBA right now, and I'll see somebody get a foul. And they're they're talking to the ref. And then you see that same behavior mimicked Mm. in high school. So it it, it goes back to that whole role model thing. I mean, Kyrie, you may not want to be a role model. But but you are. are, That's right. People look up to you. That's right. That's an excellent point. Amelia brought up Snapchat. And so, Dev, is is that – the platform of choice, in your opinion, amongst young people, is it Snapchat? Yeah. yeah. So, so we'll stay with you, Devin, for a minute. Or two. I'm going to represent all the adults in the world right now because I feel some kind of way that young people ran from Facebook just because we got <laughs> on Facebook, man. What is that about? Why? I, seriously, it seems that your generation has said, ah, I'm not doing Facebook. Why do you think that is? 
<laughs> because maybe because I mean like some of your guys is like like your generation was like on it and like our generation and your generation is completely different mm. like, <laughs> like in many ways yeah so like I feel like like once we got once we seen you guys on it like we just kind of just like scattered around that <laughs> <laughs> said we wanted no part of it yeah. Amelia why do you think young people are running from Facebook I think like Devin said just <laughs> our generations have very different viewpoints and how we see the world and so I do think it's good that we like our generation has its own space but we shouldn't necessarily just run from Facebook just mm-hmm. because older people are on it I'm gonna stay with the viewpoints with you for me for a second Amelia when you say that our generations have different viewpoints you look at older America locally or abroad what what really keeps you up at night what are they saying and doing that makes you say why do you guys keep doing this <laughs> what do you want to see change with older America well they typically have like more traditional viewpoints so they might be against like um, the LGBT uh, movement or Black Lives Matter movement even and so um, I feel like that's a really big viewpoint they have mm-hmm. Yeah. They're not evolving with the times. Yeah. Right. Okay. Devin, I know you're a second generation student athlete <laughs> at the, the uh, cathedral prep environment, a cathedral prep school. Give us your take. When you listen to older people, uh, what are the things that you hear that you say, you know what, we, we really need to address that. What do you hear that, that kind of lands on you the wrong way regularly? Okay. So like, for an example, like me and my dad, we have a whole lot of conversations all the time. And like the stuff that he says like are like really powerful and like like I can like kind of like understand like where he's coming from though cuz like like I said earlier our generation is different from your guys generation mm-hmm. so like the stuff like that he says like I do not take it by like I know what he like like means but like I don't take it by heart but I do understand mm-hmm. like what he's trying to say yeah yeah I've got an article that I know you both Read and it kind of drives home the point. Chet, I don't know if you saw this, but it was a TMZ article, and the article is entitled "Top QB Recruit Marcus Stokes," and this is a white kid. Raps N word in video, loses Florida scholarship offer from this rap video. What went through your mind, Devin? Stay with you before I go back to Amelia. What went through your mind? Looking at that and cases like that. Okay, so first, what went through my mind is I I just looked I, when I seen it. I was like, wow, like, like what's what's the point? Like, why would you post that? Like, why would you record a video of you like doing something like that? And like, I just didn't. I was just like, wow, like, and like the audacity to post it too. Like, mm-hmm. wow. So he says this was this was my private video. I was I was doing a rap song that I like. Yes, it had explicit language, but that's my personal business in Florida. Shouldn't have stuck their nose into my business. Amelia, where are you at with that? What do you think about I that? I just think it's so disappointing that he would post that in the first place. Mm. Like what went through his mind seeing after doing that video and saying, "Yeah, I'm going to post this." Mm-hmm. Like I just I think he should have consequences for that. Mm-hmm. And that's just the unfortunate truth. Yeah. Chet, Chet, this goes back to what we talked about. I see you you ready to fire off on that one. Talk about that. I, a bit. I, I guess, first of all, when you said TMZ, I, I, I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I, I think um, when I hear, and it is something, I, I mean, we've all been asked this question before. Mm-hmm. It's like, 
well, why can't I say the N-word, all right? I mean, it, it, it's come up so many times, and I, I, I always use the example that um, um, Tashimi Coates um, once used in one of his lectures, and he was saying that you, you can't take certain language out of its context, and language is tied to relationships or what have you. So um, 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 I, I'm just trying to think of an example I can use. Um, most people that know me growing up, I had a nickname. Everybody called me Lili. My mm -hmm. name's Lee. Everybody called me Lili. So I know people that call me that know me from a certain context, right? I have a relationship with those people. So, um, um, so when, um, or, or, or a better example would probably be, um, and I think the, um, Shimmy Coach used this example if. If you're walking down the street with your wife, you hold hand, another man walks up to your wife and goes, hey, honey, how are you? You'd be like, whoa, whoa. Right. Why are you calling my wife honey? And it's the same thing with using the N-word. You can't just sit there, you know, that's, that, that's, that's in a, the, 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 there's a relationship mm -hmm. established. Um, and now, understand, I don't use it. Um, it it's, it's divisive, but um, th there are just other things that come along with that. And again, I think it also lends to the um, the far-reaching impact of social media mm -hmm. for youth and very you far. A, you know, and you have a young man who you say is a five-star recruit. Yeah, um, so, one of the Florida Gators. You got to be good if yeah, you're going to Florida exactly. on scholarship. So think about it now: what other teams are going to touch this kid? Right, right, now? Mm -hmm. right. So, right. Um, well, here's what I found fascinating: you got two teenagers. Mm -hmm. Who both, in their own way, said, "What was he thinking about?" Yeah, yeah. right. I mean, that, that to me, in this day and age, when all you know is social media, which literally these kids, it's been a part of their life since they were old enough to understand what was going on around them. Mm -hmm. What are you thinking about? And so, think about your favorite school. Is there a school of choice for you, Devin? If you could say, if you could choose your own college, what would that be? I would. I'd probably say Duke. Okay. Yeah. All right. My son sounds the same. If you could choose your own college, Amelia, what do you think that would um, be? There's no particular one right now. I'm just looking around. Okay. And so even whether it's Florida in this particular story, you know, Kyrie is a brand who's attached to multiple brands, <laughs> right? The Nets are a brand. Nike is a brand. The NBA is a brand. And Kyrie Irving himself is a brand. Does that dawn on you that so you go to Duke or whatever school you are you are wanting to attend? Do you understand that whatever I post now that I am a, a Duke Blue Devil, mm -hmm. especially if I'm a part of one of their athletic programs, it's a reflection on that school. Do you get that? Yes. Do you think about that when you post stuff now? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. What's the litmus test? What goes through your mind before you post or share something, Amelia? Um, I mostly think, could this be offensive to anyone? And does it show me in a good light? Mm -hmm. And I just think that if it doesn't, then I won't post it. Okay. Dev, what's your litmus test? What do you think about before you post? Uh, what I think about is, like, who could this offend? Um, yeah. Who, who could this offend? Um, like, who's going to see it? Will it be offensive to them? How will it like? How will it make a difference? Mm. Question to both of you: Give me a time when you were really offended by something somebody posted. Give me a time. Let's start with you, Amelia. Um, 
come back to me. All right. I'd have to think about it. Dev, what do you think? Um, I want to say something similar to the situation with the uh, guy from Florida. Um, I seen, I was just on my couch going through social media, and I seen uh, a white guy say the N-word. And eventually, like, all over my social media started spreading, and he did lose an offer from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Chet, what do you think of what, where this is concerned? You know, and then I, we'll come back to Amelia. Like, what, what, what really jumped out at you? I, I, I got to tell you, you're talking about that. And I will tell you, I remember my son, um, when he first got to Penn State, um, one of the things they told him was, hey, um, they actually made him change his Twitter name. He had a Twitter mm-hmm. name. They're like, you need to change this. And they monitored everything. Wow. He did and what have you. Um, so I, I, I think it's actually a good thing that schools are actually being proactive with their student athletes and what have because those wound up being leaders on the campus and they they told them they were like hey we, we're not crazy about your Twitter handle you have to change it so he changed his Twitter handle and I'm saying this I'm hoping it's called Twitter or is it, it's still yeah. Twitter yeah. okay all right. yeah. it's the new Elon Musk version but okay, that's a, right. the whole other conversation <laughs> so he had to change his Twitter handle and what have you and um. And it's still the same one, but I, I thought it was really interesting that I was like, oh, wow. Mm. You know, they made you change that. And he's like, they actually watch everything we post and, and anything we put out and what have you. I'm glad you put that out yeah. there because that's one of the points that we want to drive home to young America is that the adults around you that are attached to your actions, that goes far beyond your parents. Yeah. It's the school that you are, the job that you have. So let me change the question as we go to the finish line because we're about to close out. Both of you, you have a younger sibling who is aging into the social media space, which you both actually do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you had to sit down and give them advice on how to utilize this tool, what would you say, Amelia? I would say just be wary of what you're like watching and what you're seeing on social media because I know my younger brother, he um, – I don't know where I was going with that. But <laughs> <laughs> I just know he needs to be careful because he wants to graduate college and do a bunch of things, and he just needs to be careful. Yeah. Yeah. Her younger brother is something else. He absolutely <laughs> needs to be careful. Yeah. <laughs> Devin, what would you tell young people? What What are you saying to them about how they should utilize social media? Um, I would say just be careful what you post. Uh, be careful, like, who, like, posts something that, like, you can see. Um, I would also say, um, oh, what was I about to say? Um, and, like, just make sure, like, if you think it's going to be stupid, don't, don't. Don't do the stupid. Simple question. Mm-hmm. Simple question. Is this going to be stupid? You sure you want to post it? There's a rule that adults use oftentimes, especially in the uh, working world. It's just like write it and sit on it for a minute or two. Give it 24 hours. Mm-hmm. You wrote it. You're writing that letter to your boss. Give it 24 hours. Then resend it. Check. Give us the elevator speech. The, the one thing I think, and I, I was talking to one of my coworkers about this yesterday was, um, <laughs> he's like, we had, we, had, we had an incident in school, and he's like, you know what? And I, I, I would use it with social media. Would you be okay if your grandmother read it? All right. I like if that. Your grandmother mm-hmm. read it. Would that, would she be, would she say this is something good and positive? All right. <laughs> all right. Start there. All right. So I, I really like that, that, that um, way, way of uh, addressing social media. Like, hey, 
Let your grandmother read it first. Right. See how she what she thinks about it. I think Chet solved the mystery in terms of why the kids ran from Facebook. <laughs> they don't want grandma reading the post. It's like grandma gonna read it on but on Snapchat. Grandma doesn't know how to navigate Snapchat. Yeah. And so listen, thank you all so much. We got Amelia, we got Devin, we've got uh Chet Moffat. Thank you so much for coming on and just helping us navigate these waters. Uh, you know, I'll go back to something that Chet said. We didn't really have to deal with this, and obviously our audience at WQLN are people my age and older many times our audience on Facebook runs the gamut but my heart actually goes out to young people in this day and age because they are the most monitored generation in human history I think about some of the worst Marcus moments in high school and I am so happy you can't pull up the video (laughs) and it and really I want young people to think about this if you're listening or watching this When you are 30, 40, and 50, the horror of your child or grandchild coming in with a phone saying, is this you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. At the frat party, (laughs) at the high school party, doing God knows what. Is this you? Kim Kardashian had her moment. Yes, she did. Her son actually ran into her video, the infamous video, on a video game. He was playing Fortnite, I want to say. And he saw a commercial for it. She was balling. Kanye was all upset. Welcome to social media. Wow. So if you don't want it to live to infinity, you might want to think about it before you post it. I'm your host, Marcus Atkinson. Thank you so much for listening to Next on WQLM. Again, if you get an opportunity, like our page on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at 814-NEXT. Lend your voice to the dialogue. I want to thank Amelia. I want to thank Devin. I want to thank Chet for coming on the show and helping talk about the topic at hand. For Mark, for Next, I will see you next time on WQLM. Take care.